99 problems? We got 99 episodes and I bet they ain't missed one. Combo Nation! <laughs> what up? What up? What up everyone? Welcome to episode 99 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, J. Kyle Man of the Dime Job joins in. We discuss the cultural impact of blue chips, Bowl Bowl, LaMelo Ball, Kay Cunningham, and much more. A great conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. You could catch Kyle's videos on The Ringer and on The Dime Drop. So go subscribe to both of those on YouTube. Follow Kyle on Instagram and Twitter at jkyleman. That's J-K-Y-L-E-M-A-N-N. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Episode 99 is here. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. How are you feeling? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can you tell us more about the dime drop? Because, you know, I get a lot of feedback uh, about my podcast. And, and once in a while, somebody will hit me up. Like, you got to get the guy from the dime drop on. So for those that don't know, uh, tell us more about it. Is that true? People really that do is, that? Yeah, that <laughs> is true. You know, it's crazy because you don't post super often, you know, but but you definitely have feeling and people know about what you do. Uh, well, that's really cool that people do that. I'm to whoever said that. Thank you. I'm flattered by that. Um, <laughs> to, to address uh, what you said, yeah. Um, to be honest, I've had there's been a little confusion because I actually this past year um, I had a bunch of people hit me up as if I'd just fallen off the face of the earth. I, I started posting with the Ringer, um, so they I basically was just doing what I normally do but for their channel so for wow, the last okay. year I think I I think like 70% of what I did was for them so um my channel I I didn't get to hit it as often as I wanted to but um here and there uh, I've been doing it so that kind of that kind of addresses that but this I think I've done a couple two or three here in the past month or so so trying to trying to keep it going Okay, cool. I just had Tate on. Actually, I know he recently left the Ringer, but um, where where can we find you on the Ringer? Like, is it still called the Dime Drop on the Ringer? And how active have you been on there? Um, I think I was I was talking with somebody the other day. I think I did like twenty for them, twenty videos this past oh, wow. year. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's all they they might have Dime Drop in the tags. I, I don't know for sure. I'm not on that side of it. Like, I would be with my own channel. But um, if you just go on. Really, the artwork I think would be the thing that would give it away, if because uh, right. uh, my wife does the artwork for for both, and um, you can you can kind of pick my stuff out pretty easily based on her style, uh, which I'm fond of, obviously. But okay, <laughs> yeah, so that's how you could find it. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So when Bol Bol got drafted so late, man, I was super surprised. I saw your video. Um, were you surprised how far he dropped in the draft? Not really. Um, from people that I talked to, 
and to be honest, um, and, and I want to be upfront whenever I do these kind of things about whenever I made videos about kids who are especially under 20 years old, it's like, man, when you're that age, you are just such a malleable entity. And I don't like to just be like no chance and just write off. I, but you know, I've been hearing things concerning things about him in terms of basketball and life balance for a little while, just from my friends who were connected to college programs and just that there were concerns, uh, but that his upside was so tremendous. Um, uh, people kind of kept giving him the benefit of the doubt because if you're seven foot two with, uh, I forget what his wingspan is, but it's something insane, right. uh, similar to Mo Bamba. Um, when he fell, no, based on the things that I had heard, based on the tape that I had watched, and I go into a lot of this stuff in the video, uh, you know, to be, to me, I was just looking at what he would be in the NBA and the type, the players with his body type that contribute and play a lot of minutes. Um, I was, I had kind of convinced my, or had moved myself to a fairly pessimistic place in terms of him as a prospect, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he won't succeed. Uh, so no, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, he's, he's a wild card, man, especially with the health. Weren't you impressed by how, how easy he made it look at times in college? Like there was just times where he just looked like the best player on the court by far. Yeah, he's a skilled player. I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, a question of skill. It's it's really his skills being functional were, was kind of, uh, you know, we talk a lot about like functional strength and things like that. And, fun, right. you know, whether or not you're, you know, like another another good example is like a guy like Scal Labissier, who's a guy that I watched at uh, Labissiere, and he changed the pronunciation on it so many different times. I don't even know how you say it, but he he I got to watch him at Kentucky a lot. And Scal, this is a, an example of Bull, similar to Bull. Scal has some of the most beautiful mechanics. Like, if you just watch him shoot alone in a gym, it's like, this guy's an all-star. It's, like, right. incredible. But then, you know, if you can't get to your spots, if you don't have if you don't have the IQ to get to the places to do what you do well, um, it's, it's going to be hard. And Bull is one of those guys that offensively, yeah, he's gonna he's he can look all world in certain situations because it does come easily to him, but uh, you know a lot and a lot of those questions have to do with his frame. A lot of those questions have to do with him, just his interest in basketball, how how he's gonna be able to work to make those things functional. Because um, a lot of those questions were surrounding him coming up to the draft. Um, his his skill isn't a question; it's just right. whether or not it's gonna be functional to my, to me. Is his defense a question? Like, I feel – I don't know if he's a switchable defender, but I think he's solid, you know, a solid drop defender. I don't know how well that would be, like, taken in the current – in the way the modern NBA is. It might have suited a little bit better, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, in college it was tough, too, because it was hard to get a read on it because Dana Allman would just put him at the rim, you know. Kind of like Taco. Kind of yeah. like Taco, yeah. Which I don't – you know, I don't blame him for that. But in the – you know, we only got, like – eight or nine games I think and only like three or four of those were high major samples and then we had you know he got cut from the U19 team um you know a lot of that like Sean Miller and John Calipari were part of the team people picking for that and uh they decided to cut him and he got real mad about that but he and then he got a lot of grief at this is just so this has been an ongoing thing with him so I, I don't the people behind the scenes have sort of challenged him to change habits of his I guess and I don't know what those habits are but um, in terms of a defender, he's a little like I was talking about that sample. Anytime he, he did get in a pick and roll against like 
I think it was Texas Southern that they were playing. That uh, I can remember they have like maroon uniforms. But he got in a pick and roll with a pretty confident like seven footer, uh, and he got dunked on like four different times in this one stretch. And it was like yeah. his re- his react. Part of that's learning the game. You know, part of that's that mo- part of that's motor. I think with him, uh-huh. his motor, yeah. And reaction time. Some guys yeah. just have incredible natural reaction time. Right. I don't know that he has that, you know, getting uh, – and his north-south quickness uh, was pretty alarming to me. You know, he can look pretty fluid when he's handling the ball, but I don't – once you – you know, once you're physical with him at all, he kind of folds up uh, in the same kind of, And, you know, whenever you – if that's your issue – um, when you're when you fold up like that, Brandon Ingram has this issue too. Uh, your length is sort of neutralized, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. he's going to definitely have to get stronger, um, which is a really obvious low hanging fruit to, thing to say about him. But uh, yeah, the defense was a big concerning thing for me because I think that's the most that's the most reasonable goal for him is to be sort of a, a guy that can stretch some uh, and a guy that could potentially be like a backup defensive anchor. Um, but or maybe potentially if he really got good, be it be a like a rotation level anchor, uh, because his physical gifts would set him up to do that. You would think if he could improve. Right, you mentioned Brandon Ingram. I I want to take it to Duke because I think it's so murky who will actually become the best NBA player out of these three guys. You know, Cam, RJ, and Zion. What are your thoughts on that? Uh oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, yeah. I'm not. Uh... I'm not incredibly high on RJ. A lot of the things that people have said, I kind of echo. He's a long way to go in terms of his just efficiency. Like, what is he going to be? I I personally think that RJ could be an incredibly valuable player if if his idea of who he is as an NBA player could adjust a little bit. Because if he thinks he's a primary, like, offensive, you know, heavy, like, load-bearing offensive piece – he could have uh, he could have a little bit of a slog of a career. Zion, right out of the gate, I understand why Duke did this, but they set him up just to basically be the cleanup guy because he's like one of the right. most efficient cleanup guys in the history of college basketball. Like the numbers support that. Um, yeah. So he didn't have to make too many decisions. You know? No, he, he didn't. Was just out there. Yeah. But he can. That's the thing. So I mean, right, right. The question really for Zion is, can he stay healthy? Because if he can his intangibles and the little things uh, I compared him to, I, I said that he's like the symbiote from venom. I don't know if you're a comic book fan at all, but it's just basically <laughs> whatever entity he joins, he is going to enhance it because he, he is just such a dominant press presence as a health defender. Uh, and he's, his basketball IQ is higher than I think he gets credit for. Um, I think, you know, I, 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 I'm really high on Zion. I, I hope that uh, – I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. But I think – You're uh, a poet. You don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm confident about Zion. If he can stay healthy, I think that he's uh, – his value is just going to be through the roof. And then uh, Reddish, um, you know, I have questions about him. He just there, fits the car in NBA so well, though, you know. That's what yeah, I like about him. The optics of it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a big guy that could be – but but the problem is he, he really didn't shoot the ball well off the move at all. He was kind of a turnover waiting to happen if you put – he was really stiff. But then, you know, around the draft, stuff stuff start and this happens every year, misdirection, information. It becomes a war of information around the draft. Uh, you know, his, his camp started putting out, well, you know, we played hurt the entire year at Duke. So it's like, well – how much of that was 
you know, them trying to protect his draft stock potentially and how much of that was he really was hurt. How much of that really affects the, the, the sample that we got in college? Because uh, that's what I'm basing everything on. So, but I didn't really, I wasn't really blown away. I talked about the U19, you know, a couple of years ago with, with Reddish. Really blown me away there. He didn't blow me away in the Hoop Summit. Um, I, I think that he's got a long way to go as a shot creator. Um, I don't know how much of a playmaker he's going to be. So you're basically, you're basically saying that he has the ability to play off the ball, the ability to play on the ball, but it doesn't seem to be at an elite – like either don't seem to be at an elite level right now. No. I mean, he, yeah. he's one of those guys that just looks – he looks like a, like an NBA player if you just are going by it, and he has a lot of love from his peers. Yeah, you know, I think he's got voted yeah. and a lot of yeah. respect. Uh, but he's really smooth. He's really fluid. I'll give him one thing, man. He's got uh, he's got big cojones. He's not he is not afraid of the moment at all. There were several times during the season where Duke yeah. needed a bucket, and Cam Reddish was just like totally unafraid. Um, I'd encourage anybody to go back and look at the big one he made against Louisville. Right, at Louisville. That was he. He's impressed me in that sense. He's not afraid, but. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of questions. I, I, I think Zion's at the front of the, that trio by significant margin for me. Yeah, I think all three of them aren't afraid. I mean, RJ wasn't afraid. He would make bad decisions in the clutch sometimes, but he definitely wasn't <laughs> afraid either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Zion. Yeah, RJ, RJ has insane self-belief. I'll give him that. I admire that in him for sure. Yeah, that, that helps players sometimes. Look at Westbrook. Look, there's, you know, there's a bunch of players where just having that extreme confidence really could help you, you know, once you get to the league. I think you have to have it. I, th- I yeah, think that if yeah. you don't have it, it's that's why I always kind of laugh about that because, you know, it, it is a tightrope to walk. And uh, my buddy, I don't know if you know Ben Taylor at all, but he and I have talked about. Yeah, uh, I've had him on the podcast. Yeah, Ben's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but he and I have had a lot of different kind of conversations about players and just the nature of what it is to be the best at what you do. and Thinking, ba- um, thinking basketball, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah thinking yeah. it well in his case. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it's – you have to have that self-belief. I think all the great ones have it. Uh, you know, it's almost irrational because you can't really, you know, I don't think that you can kind of soar to those heights unless you have that little extra bit of irrational belief in yourself. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think RJ, RJ at least has that going for him for sure. Yeah, and Russ too, like you said. Yeah, well, definitely Russ. We know that. That's the best part of his game probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, you brought up Ben. So this is a conversation I'd probably love to have with Ben and I probably will in the future. Um, do you believe the mid range will ever be prevalent again in the future of the NBA? Because, you know, I, I saw that you uh, you said Sean Livingston was one of your favorite players. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, really? Oh, well, I didn't even know. You must be with me on Twitter. I didn't even realize. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm everywhere. Yeah. I'm everywhere. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I say I don't really check Instagram very much. That's one of my... Yeah, actually, uh... that's my biggest platform. Well, podcasting and then Instagram is where I do my most work, but yeah. Yeah, I'm on I'll... Too. I'll have messages really old from people and, and be like, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I, I don't want to. <laughs> so if anybody messages me, I just will totally miss it sometimes. It's, it's hard to be, it's hard. It's hard to be on every platform. You know, you almost need a team to work for you when you when you're on every platform. It's true. I think yeah. certain personality types are drawn to Twitter. Too. Right. Like if exactly. you're a wisecracker type, which is a lot of NBA writers, I think. Yeah. I mean, but, all journalists, I mean, I would imagine would like Twitter, you know, if you like to write. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an issue to be honest. Uh, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we were talking about, um, 
Oh, you were asking me about the mid-range. The mid-range, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, love Sean Livingston for sure. He and I are the same age and came out of high school the same year. You know, he did a little bit better than me in high school. But... Okay. <laughs> did you play in high school? I did. I, was, okay. I wasn't okay. any good, though. I was okay. just kind of a nervous wreck, uh, you know. Little uh, six-two white guy that shot too many threes and didn't play defense. That was me. The mid-range. I mean, a lot of a lot of really smart people seem to like. Uh, I watched that thing that went around the other day, Spolstra, talking about how the mid-range is still there. It's it's an efficient shot if you can hit it. You know, I'm, and lately it's been interesting to watch how uh, the mid-range has kind of become the level of survival that uh, coaches and teams are willing to accept. You know, like uh, they were. T- I just remember in the playoffs they were talking about how. Uh, teams were trying to were considering getting Steph to come into that 15 to 18 foot range a success and I was like well he's hitting like 46 percent of those shots um yeah so uh it's you know it's it's something I I don't think it's going to go away to be simple about it to answer it it's it's always going to be I know Rod Strickland feels really strongly about this I've talked to him about this um it's the narrative is sort of strangling out um I would say sensible, sensible thought on this because, um, you know, if, if people can hit the shot, sure, it's going to be, it's going to be a good shot. So I think it's that simple. Yeah. Right. We don't talk movies too much on here and uh, I actually did not get the chance to watch your video on blue chips, but I will, I definitely will get to it. Um, can you speak to the cultural impact of blue chips? I can, um, you know, I, when I, I set out to do this, uh, film series, like, uh, during the, I'm going to do it, you know, whenever I have downtime, it's hard to commit like a huge amount of time to it, but, uh, because I love basketball movies, but blue chips was one of my favorites, um, growing up in college, college basketball country, basically. Cause I'm from Kentucky and I live in Louisville for anybody that doesn't know. And it, I college... could hear it. I could definitely hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to be ashamed to try to hide it, but I really, I don't care anymore. Um, all right. All right. But blue chips is a, is a, was a big movie around here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it had a huge cultural impact uh, in terms of maybe not on the same level as a movie like space jam or like um, white Hoosiers. man can't jump maybe. Yeah, well, White Men Can't Jump, another right. huge one. And, and by that, I just mean crossing over outside of basketball fans. I think the biggest movies do that. But Blue right. Chips was a big movie within the basketball world because it had a huge ca- causal effect. Um, the fact that, um, you know, Penny Hardaway and Shaq met on that uh, on the set of that movie. And part of the reason that happened is because uh, the people who were making the movie wanted Chris Webber to be in the movie. And, you know, they were filming that the summer after the 93 season. And people will remember that at the end of the 93 season, Chris Webber called that infamous timeout. Right. Against North Carolina in the title game. And he apparently just was so dejected by that event uh, that he just decided he was going to shut it down and work out until the NBA season, which opened a door for Penny Hardaway to get in there. And, you know, get on the movie and, and Weber has even said, and I put this in the video that, that uh, you know, if, if that hadn't happened, you know, the Shaq Penny era probably might not have even happened. It might still have. But in his opinion, in, uh, in a lot of people's opinion, it uh, that had a huge impact on it. So in that sense. Yeah. And then the picks that got traded in that deal, people can go back and look this up. Like a lot of players ended up being a part of this, like Mike Miller, Vince Carter. Um, so that, uh, that event and that timeout had a really, really fascinating, like ripple effect across basketball. 
Okay, man, I haven't heard this comparison much, but uh, um, I just want to know who you feel will be the best, the better NBA player between Cade, Cumming- Cade Cunningham and LaMelo Ball. LaMelo is getting a lot more hype as of now, and I actually watched some highlights in Australia, and he's looking pretty sharp out there. I saw the Drew League um, highlights. I haven't seen much of Cade Cun- Cunningham, so I'd like to hear your thoughts. You get some good questions, man. These are good. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm impressed. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. Cade Cunningham, um, I just did a video on him. He, if for anybody who doesn't know who Cade is, Cade's like a bigger, rugged kind of a point guard, really sort of, sort of a pick and roll <clears throat> facilitator kind of a guy. Um, he's they're different types of players, you know. I think physically they're very different. You know, um, Lamelo has you know really good size, and he's he's more of a um, I called I called Terrence Clark in a video. I called him slinky, and I think that Lamelo is like that too. And what by that we just mean good length but they also have a lot of flexibility in a lot of different parts of their body so you watch somebody like Shea Gilgis Alexander can kind of wiggle through you know gaps and things like that uh it can contort uh, which is important whenever you're trying to sort of navigate the big bodies in the lane and, and whenever if people haven't gotten to watch an NBA game in person this stuff really jumps out is how quickly and how small how quickly you have to make a move how you know precise you have to be be about it and you know the tiny amount of space that you have to navigate um doesn't really come across on tv but a guy like uh lamello for sure great touch um yeah you know i I think that some of the narrative is going to kind of circle back on him i feel really confident about cade in the fact that he, he just brings so many good intangibles, like he's a really smart team defender, just a really mature kid. I guess the question for him is, is the ceiling, how high is it? Like, is he going to become a great shooter? Is foot, right speed, in, is foot speed an issue at the next level? I mean, he's a, he's a big guard. So, I mean, it's a situation yeah. of uh, he's, he's not super fast, but I'd also encourage, you know, I'd discourage anybody from saying that he's a bad athlete. Um, right, right, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, he's he's more in that mold. He's in the mold of like a Luca Harden type. He's not. How about near... that? How about D'Angelo Russell type athleticism? Uh yeah, probably somewhere in there. I mean, yeah. D'Angelo's probably a little bit quicker. Okay. I would say. I think Lonzo is another guy that people talk about. Lonzo, I think, is a is a more athletic guy too yeah i mean straight line Um, speed lonzo's pretty athletic you know he is and he's he's sneaky explosive too um but Cade, Cade positionally i'd I'd encourage people to go watch just he i talk about this in the video too he has just really good hands like he can he can just uh really disrupt a play uh and he has a long wingspan too um it doesn't he doesn't look like it but he does uh because he's such a big and i think he can put on a lot of strength too um so yeah, I love Cade Cunningham. I would lean towards Cade right now, but Lamelo's is sort of—he's a question have you, mark, man. Have you seen Have you seen the highlights from Australia recently? I saw that people were were posting some of them. I haven't really gotten to sink my teeth into him yet, but man, he had one nice floater. I was like, sheesh! That's oh, the tough. one, like the super long one. I did see that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I, when players could do that consistently, like really, how could you guard it? You know. Oh man, I love floaters so much. Yeah. I think it it just kills me whenever a ball handler like a pick and roll ball handler can't shoot a floater. Like go watch Chris Paul. Like he you know, I think Chris Paul could float shoot a floater over a skyscraper and put it in. He's just got such great touch. But Lamelo, yeah, that one that you're talking about was really impressive. Yeah. You know who I'd like to see get a floater? John Morant. I don't know if he has one yet. And he's super I mean, I love his game, but that's something he could add to his game. 
Yeah, if you can get to those spots, man, that shot is there. Like if you watch Donovan Mitchell, right? Uh, like it, it killed him that he couldn't quite finish those. Uh, but yeah, Ja, Ja, uh, he was he wasn't like overly efficient anywhere as a scorer. But uh, I, I mean, he's he's a pretty like same kind of thing. Like he's he's a lot like Lamelo. He's got that spindly, flexible body. Um, More athletic though. Oh, oh yeah, it, yeah. Jaws ridiculously explosive. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at jkyleman, uh, and you can find me my my YouTube channel, The Dime Drop. Um, I, if you live in Kentucky, I've been doing a daily uh, half hour podcast with uh, with a buddy of mine, Kyle Tucker, called the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. And uh, my stuff is on the ringer, too. And I've got a couple NBA previews come for the ringer, one on the Blazers and one on the Thunder. And they were both fun to make. Uh, So keep an eye out for those. And those will be on the ringers YouTube channel. I'll be on the lookout for it. You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for being here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Anytime. Talk soon. There it is. Episode 99 is in the books. Big shouts to Jay Kyle Mann for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, man. Take a screenshot of this episode, post it in your IG stories, tag me, I'll repost it. Also, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for episode 100. Combo out.